0: We are looking this week at verse 2 of Psalm 23. We're taking a week per verse, and so six weeks total, there are six verses in Psalm 23. And this is the beginning of the year, 2020, and it's been a tumultuous 2020 with the coronavirus. And, and then the end of the year, and the beginning of this year, no less tumultuous with all the election frenzy and Capitol storming. And you might, you might be thinking, man, mistake you picked a bucolic pastoral psalm about sheep. you should have picked something intense like revelation that really speaks to these times, and people are wondering if we're in the end times. The answer there is yes um, <laughs> if you you have the wrong end times theology, the wrong eschatology if uh <laughs> if you don't believe that, but that's that's another that's another lecture but um no, I think this is the perfect. This is the perfect thing to be looking at right now. and It's a timeless psalm, as they all are. Um, it's a psalm of deep comfort, and it takes us through the valley of the shadow. It deals with the dark things and it reminds us of these truths that hold, that the Lord is our shepherd no matter what, and that because of that, we can be secure. And we are secure no matter what happens to us, no matter the vicissitudes of life. And, you know, I'm just hearing so much from so many Christians about we don't know what to believe. And that's true. The media, our, our, our news sources, the sources that we get our information from, we don't know what to believe anymore. And um, never is there a more, a more important time to anchor into God's word and into uh, these sorts of truths that we get from a psalm like Psalm 23. Um, and this psalm, this verse, ex- excuse me, um, is, is, is all about rest. God giving me not what I want, all the time, thank God. But what I need. And what I need is rest. And what I need is, is feeding and drink. And then, of course, in verse 3, it moves to even restoration and rescue. And so we'll get to that next week. But um, the verse is, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And, of course, that and every other verse after verse 1 flow from verse 1. It's a, it's a, a poem that's integral and that or one verse comes from the next um follows from the next and so this is this cascades out of verse one so i might as well just just recite that the lord is my shepherd david starts the psalm by saying the lord is my shepherd i shall not want or i lack nothing and out of that because he's my shepherd and i will lack nothing that i need what he makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside still water. So first, let's look at, we're just going to take it bit by bit. It's the way we do it, nothing fancy. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. I'm just going to focus on that for a sec. He makes me rest. He gives me, again, like I said, what I need, but not always what I want. Um, As a sidestep from that, Ken Bailey points out that unlike with a dog, you cannot make a sheep lie down. It's only going to do so when it feels well-fed and safe. So makes me lie down can be somewhat misleading in um, if we think that the shepherd you know, is pressing the sheep down and forcing him to do something. No. David says, you, you secure me. No matter what's going on in my life, because you're my shepherd, I am secure and I am safe, and so I can lie down and I can rest in you and in the fact that i am i'm am secure and safe with you as my shepherd this sort of this sort of idea where david no matter what is surrounding him understands this and therefore is able to truly have a soul rest and even to sleep as part of that rest is uh is, is sort of pervades his psalms especially at the beginning of the psalter um in psalm 3 he's as he's often is. I mean, a lot of the Psalms came out of David running for his life and um, he's in the wilderness and he's running from his enemies. And that's how he starts out the Psalm by crying out to God. And then in verse five of Psalm three, he said, he says, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. He, he says the same thing, essentially, in, ver- in Psalm 4, the next psalm. He, he's surrounded by his enemies. He's crying out to God for help, and then he sees that God has responded and that that's enough. And so in verse 8 of Psalm 4, he says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This seems to be a theme with David. He's possibly not even writing Psalm 23 you know, surrounded with everything that we would count for safety. He could indeed be on the run, but he knows that because God is his shepherd, he has what he needs and he can lie down. God's going to take care of him. And so I just want to encourage you not to wait for circumstances, geopolitically or otherwise, to be sorted before you rest, but rather to know that because God is your shepherd, if indeed you are his in Christ, if you've looked to Christ, um, as the gate into green pasture, um, as the good shepherd, as the way to God through his torn flesh and shed blood. You have what you need. He's going to care for you. Um, but let me add, let's go back to, he makes me lie down. Let's, 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 um, let me add this and dwell on this for a bit. Sheep don't always know what they need, do they? Um, they don't always know that they need rest. They are not the smartest creatures. And, of course, David is saying that we are, we are God's sheep. We are, we're sheep. And that's, that's just broadcast throughout the Old and New Testament. We are sheep to God, and he's our shepherd. We're also God's children. So sheep and children, neither of them knows what they need quite often. And the exasperating thing can be that they think they do. And so they confuse their wants for their needs. Um, but we don't give them what they want. We give them what they need as their parents and as the, as the shepherd. That's what he does with his sheep. Um, can you imagine if you fulfilled all of your kids' wants, if you gave them everything that they thought that they needed? They would be dead in a ditch somewhere or they would be brats. And this reminds me of Veruca Salt in um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and she her dad her dad's parenting philosophy is just give the girl everything that she wants and she's an absolute disaster she she sings the song i want the world i want the whole world i want to lock it all up in my pocket it's my box of chocolate give it to me now <laughs> and of course he tries and she ends up getting um dropped down a chute or something but uh no, God doesn't give us everything that we want. He gives us what we need, though. So we can trust him in that. We can trust him in that. And here you see the sheep being given given security. He knows it, so he lies down. He's led into a place where he can feed. He's led, in the next uh, strove here, in the next line of the verse, to a place where he can drink, and we'll talk about that. And then in verse 3, which we won't really, well, I'll just maybe mention, but we won't get to until next week, Um. Beyond the things that we need, like rest and feeding and drink, we get we get far more than that. We get soul restoration. We get rescue. We'll get to that. Um, you know, in the middle of... In the middle of something like COVID, in the middle of this national tumult, all these things that are happening, this is still true. God is giving us what we need, even not not despite these things but through these things that's how good of a shepherd he is he uses these things for our good that's a big all this is a big part of that promise in Romans eight twenty eight, that he works all things for for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose you know he he slowed us down during COVID he stopped us. he's teaching us things that we wouldn't be able to learn any other way and I hope that you're listening and I hope that I am He's giving us what we need. He's tending to us, oftentimes through disaster, through hardship, speaking to us, because there are things that we need that are more important than, than rest and ease and a sense of security. Um, Jesus said I, in John 4 to his disciples, right, I have food that you know not of. It's to do the will of my Father. Think there are things that are more important than than physical bread, and as a church, we're fasting right now. We're reminded of that. Um, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth, which is inscripturated from Scripture, which leads us to Jesus by His Holy Spirit. And in the Psalms, David says, "Your word, O Lord, is better. Your love, O Lord, excuse me, is better than life." There are things that. Um, God's word and His love are, are more important to us than life, and indeed give us life. But back to um, back to sheep, just not and children not knowing what often what they need, and often God giving us those things through pain. I'm reminded of a story that Elizabeth Elliot told about being on a ranch and watching a rancher dunk his sheep in a vat of. Something that was protecting them from being eaten by insects, as they were coated with this stuff and drenched in it, he would pull them out and set them on their four on their four hooves, and they would trotter off and um, be protected from being eaten alive by insects on the on the ranch. But they didn't know that, and as he would dunk them down into the vat, they thought they, he was drowning them. Sort of felt like, with their limited knowledge, and. There's an infinitely greater distance between God's knowledge and ours than there's between a, the knowledge of a rancher and a sheep or the knowledge of a parent and a, and a kid. And so they would bite, Elizabeth Elliot records that they would bite um, the rancher's hands and desperately try to, to wriggle free as the rancher would be doing something that was literally saving their lives but felt like death. And And that's what God does with us. And so submitting to what he has us in the middle of and what he's teaching us instead of saying why is this happening Lord saying what can I learn from this and I trust you Um, and I'm not saying don't cry out God you know David cries out he cries out he cries out Psalm 3, Psalm 4 he starts by crying out but he ends up in this place even through the crying out where he knows that he's secure and he knows that he's taken care of even if he goes through death it's okay because God has been before us he doesn't push us he leads us he goes before us even through death. Our God who has passed through death and is made of death a portal to life. Um, You know, and on that note, Jesus himself, the greater David, cried out on the cross. He who trusted God so much, he said, my God, my God, why have you you forsaken me? So it's okay to cry out, but we need to know that God cares for us. And oftentimes we, we get to that place in being honest with him in prayer and crying out to him. So, he gives us what we need. He um he will he leads let's move to the next. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The last part of the verse. You know, something else that Kim Bailey taught me about sheep of which I know very little is that other than that they're a bit dumb and defenseless. They don't have horns, they don't have scales, they don't have stingers. Uh we need a shepherd, you know. But he 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 says that they will will not drink from moving water even if it's shallow and safe they won't do it and so the shepherd knows this and the shepherd leads them to still waters or quiet waters or literally it means waters of rest and what does this mean it means that god nourishes us in ways that we can receive he nourishes us in ways that we can that we can receive, and you know the shepherd knows that the sheep's going to be fine if he if the sheep drinks from a moving stream that's shallow, but the sheep won't do it. The sheep needs to be by quiet water, so that's exactly where the shepherd takes that sheep. And you know the fact that God nourishes and nourishes us in ways that we can receive and speaks to us in ways that we can hear and understand lay at the heart of that truth. Lay at the heart of the mystery of the incarnation of who God is. He came to live among us and to be a man and to speak in ways to us that we could understand in the language that we could understand in so many ways, right? Um, and he remains a man, the God-Man, the connection between us and the Father, the way that we know God and who God is, and he will remain that forever. And he he hasn't ceased being the kind of God who condescends to us and who gently speaks to us and communicates to us and takes care of us and, and nourishes us in ways that we can receive. That's the kind of God he is. So feel confident to cry out to him. Invite him into everything and know that he's, he's going to give you, not what you want necessarily, but what you need, um, which will lead eventually right, out of these shadow lands and into the far green country that we're headed to um, in the new heavens and new earth when we see him face to face it's eventually going to lead to, to him giving us things that explode and go so far beyond what we want so far beyond what we can dream or imagine. But right now he's interested in making us, um, in securing us and making us safe. And, uh, (laughs) Hey, we, we might have to die for our faith. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not preaching a health, wealth gospel, but I'm preaching the Psalm 23 gospel. But, uh, but in a lot of times in those in the circumstances where he's giving us what we need and not what we want he's he's making us who we need to be making us like Jesus um so we looked at the last phrase he leads me beside still waters or quiet waters or waters of rest literally but and i focused on that still waters part let me focus for a a little bit on, he leads me beside still waters. He leads me, the first part of that phrase, he leads me. And I've mentioned it earlier, but I alluded to it, but let me sit down on it for a second. This really speaks to the fact that where, where we go, God goes first. The good shepherd leads me. He does not drive me. That's not what the, that's not what David says. doesn't say he drives me beside still waters. He's not behind me, prodding me. He's in front of me. He stepped there. He's gone there. He's testing out the path. If something dangerous comes along, he's going to deal with it first. There's only one more place in the Bible where this intensive form of the verb, um, going back to the first phrase in the verse, he makes me lie down, is used. It's in Ezekiel 34, 15. And it's clearly an echo of Psalm 23. And in Ezekiel 34, 15, 14 and following the prophet says, I will, and this is God speaking through the prophet to his people, Israel. He says, I will feed them with good pasture. And at this point, you know, Israel is totally rebelled from God and they're in exile and God is prophesying over them. He says, I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. There's that phrase. It's the same, it's the same intensive verb seal the time it appears in the Bible. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured. Think about how much like Jesus this sounds in his ministry. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And, you know, we don't read the, the New Testament in a void. Jesus didn't step into a void. He stepped into a context of... Uh, The people of God having the word of God, the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew Bible. And when he began to speak and minister, it was to fulfill that word. And when he steps into a word like this, you see, well, he's in his words and his deeds. He's claiming to be. He's showing us who he is. He's the good shepherd. He's showing us that he is um, the great shepherd of the sheep. He is the creator. He is the owner and the possessor and the jealous husband of Israel and he he says as much in John 10 he says truly truly i say to you i'm the door of the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i came that they might have life and have it abundantly i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep so jesus here is claiming to be the god uh, to whom David speaks and of whom David speaks and speaks to David in Psalm 23, and that Ezekiel um, is the mouthpiece of in Ezekiel 34. He is making a, if you know the Old Testament at all, he is making a no-holds-barred, unveiled claim to deity and to being the one true God and the creator and the shepherd of Israel. Um, how are we brought into God's full Well, Jesus tells us because he... Was thrust out of God's fold and devoured by sin and death, our sin, and Satan and hell, and given over to those things. Um, we are able to be brought in because He was thrust out. He took our place, so we can take His as the as the Son, the beloved Son. Um, he laid His life down for us. How are we not sacrificed? Because He was sacrificed. Again, He was devoured by our sin, by Satan and His minions and all the powers of hell. But he didn't stay devoured. He didn't stay dead. He rose. And he's alive forevermore. And he holds the keys to death and hell. And he's the only way to green pasture and to rest and to life, no matter what happens to us. Um, So the incarnation assures us that where we go, God has gone. And so does all of Scripture. You think about, I mean, there are so many When you start to really study Psalm 23, there are lots of little echoes that I had not seen before, and scholars point this out of really the Exodus and of God in His people with His people. Excuse me, in the wilderness for 40 years, leading them and guiding them as a shepherd, um, and tending to them as His flock and leading them to green pasture to the to the Promised Land, to Canaan, and um, so. David isn't, this isn't just a little bucolic psalm about sheep and a shepherd, and uh, it, it's it's a psalm that really sort of encompasses the whole history of Israel and leads us to Jesus that talks about how God was with it. He pulled his people out of slavery. He was with them in the desert, leading them to a good land, um, and that he's never going to forsake us he's never going to leave us he's going to be with us always even to the end of the age and that's and Jesus manifests that and Jesus says those very things in, in Matthew 28 um, at the end of the Great Commission and elsewhere and, and in saying those things he's he's telling he's telling us I am the God of David I am the god of Psalm 23 I am the good Shepherd I am the God who took my people out of Egypt parted the Red Sea was with them for 40 years sustaining them so that they're their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out on their backs. They never got a new set of clothes, you know? Their, their children, the most vulnerable, did not die in this place of death, this, this furnace uh, for 40 years. And I led that those people, the second generation, their kids, into the promised land. I didn't forsake them. I kept my word, even though they were rebellious. And that takes us to Jesus, and that takes us to the cross consummately. And it takes us, through Jesus, over death. Into life everlasting. Um, so, sort of thinking a bit by way of application um, ha- about just resting, and then and then closing with a few words. Um, each each day, the shepherd leads the sheep to where they can rest. Um, rest and tranquility are part of that routine, where they can feed, where they can drink. And David, God does this for us. You know, Jesus teaches us to pray, "Lord, give us our daily bread." He sustains us. He He literally. We need we need sleep more than we need water. If you don't have sleep for a few days, you literally go nuts. He gives us the little things that we need, and and so much more. Of course, he restores our soul, which is next week. Um, but it's important to have daily rest to sleep, but also just to have time with the Lord daily, just in his word, in prayer, um, in regular contact and worship with, with his body, not isolating like we've been doing during COVID. And that's, some of that's been necessary, but far too much of it has happened. We need to get back to life together, which is why we're in parishes, house churches, and, and pulling each of you um, into D groups, discipleship groups, anchor groups um, is what we used to call them to have a weekly a daily rest but also a weekly rest just a sabbath a shabbat where you're not the other you're not doing what you do the other six days of the week you're not working you're you're recreating you're playing you're worshiping you're with your family you're with your loved one, you're putting things down you're reminding yourself that god made all things and he rested you're reminding yourself that the world doesn't depend on you and your work that you're, that you're not defined by your work so many things and this is the rhythm that God made us for to have yearly rests maybe a week plus where we just we, we feast there were three big week long feasts in Israel's calendar every year and it's important for us to take these rests and maybe even quarterly um, but certainly regularly whether it's spring break and one in the summer and around Christmas time um, to just take time off not just to veg and watch Netflix I'm not saying don't do that, but that's not the kind of rest that we that I'm talking about here. Um, to worship, to recreate, to to cease working for a living, and and to invest in relationships, and to to take naps, and to um, to read, and take walks, and and just to be, uh, but certainly to be with the Lord in special ways, and to pull away, and to have those times, um, and then that's why there's a the multi-year rest is that's that's why. The multi year rest as well is 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 sort of behind pastors taking uh, and certainly that's inscripturated that um every seven years um there was and all of a sudden i'm 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 pausing and thinking, is this right um every seven years certainly every seven sevens there was the there was the reset there was the year of jubilee, but every seven years I believe there was a a reset as well and a break, a special rest um. Think every one out of seven that you weren't you weren't supposed to um, to farm and that God would provide um, from your six double anyway. So having a multi year rest is behind the pastor's sabbatical and, um, and and ultimately all that you know. Even in our even in our work, we are to rest in the fact of Christ and that we hide in Christ by faith and that we're in Him and He in us. And um, that's in Hebrews four. That's sort of the consummate chapter for Christ being our rest. So no matter what we're doing, again, no matter what our circumstances, knowing the Lord is our shepherd and how is that possible? It's possible wicked as we are through the person and work of Jesus Christ for us and Christ in us by faith. And so um, you really see some of that actually in um, in I, what I just touched on briefly earlier, and I don't want to take too much longer, but where it's literally the waters of rest. Um, he leads me besides still waters or quiet waters, but literally waters of rest. And um, that word is in, um, or that it's a verbal form of that word that appears for the first time in the Bible is in Genesis two fifteen, where it says that God put Adam in the garden, um, and he and he um, gave him work to do to tend it to to work and to tend the garden, and that. That phrase in the Hebrew is strange. It says he rested Adam in the garden instead of the, the ESV translates it he put him in the garden or placed him in the garden. But the regular word for put isn't, isn't used. It's he rested him in the garden. And I'm not sure what it means. Of all, I've been for years curious about it, but I think one of the things that it could be telling us is that at, we were made, even in our work, to be in a state of resting in God. And of course in eden there was no toil there was no sweat there was no anxiety there was no boredom um there was no striving in the sinful sense um work can be tiresome you know it leaves us drained and this world leaves us drained in eden you know we we weren't made for that um but christ came to take us back to that place and even in these shadow lands where we still strive, and things aren't perfect by a long shot. Um, we can truly find pasture and truly find what we need and truly find rest and repose in in the lord and one day that's going to be consummate it's going to be perfected, and so there's a taste of that in um here in the in embedded in the psalm, and also there are other traces of of the early chapters of Genesis in this psalm. Um, in the Hebrew, the verse this verse begins in pastures green, and the word green appears um, as the word vegetation multiple times as a verb and a noun in Genesis one. It three times, I think, in Genesis one eleven and twelve, and um, it only appears one one other time, and that's at the end of Deuteronomy, where Moses that's the last thing he writes. And so, I think one of the things that David is calling us back to, like I've said, is he's he's not he's saying this isn't just a psalm. Like I've saying like I've been saying about a sheep following a shepherd around and having his little needs taken care of this is this is a psalm whose scope is as big as creation this is um, this one who's my shepherd is also the one who made all things and he is tending to me through this cursed creation that's been broken and even though I've I'm the one who brought that curse about and the brokenness is in me he's delivering me from that as the great shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep and he's taking me somewhere he's taking me through the gray gray um the gray rain curtain of the world into a far green country under a swift sunrise he is taking me to a table that's where david ends this psalm right he's taking me to a table where i can feast and i will be with him and i'll see him and i'll become like him as i see him face to face and it's going to be a new heavens and a new earth and he's going to wipe away every tear. And there's going to be no more cancer. There's going to be no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, no more ennui, no more striving, but a resting and a playing and a good work without a curse and no more evil. And I won't be able to sin anymore. And we'll be with Him face to face together. And it'll be all of our wildest dreams, right? And so much more far beyond what we can ask or imagine. We will be in that world forever together with him, our maker. And so that's, that's all embedded in this um, seemingly simple little psalm. We have a good shepherd who cares for our needs. He feeds us. He gives us rest. Um, he has made us and saved us to be with him, and he's taking us somewhere good. And that starts now. Okay, love you guys.